Welcome to the Front Office Exchange, where we take a look at the careers of executives and rising stars within the sports business. Now, here's your host, Jake Failing. This is episode 10 of the Front Office Exchange podcast. We've got a special show today. We've got two guests instead of one. You'll hear from Jason Wilmoth and Will Baggett, both of whom are with IMG College. And, you know, I thought since I talked to them about the same time, they're with the same company. They're both rising stars in the industry, although they are at different points in their careers. I thought it would be a unique opportunity to put them together into one dual episode. Uh, Jason and I go back all the way to college. He and I both worked in the athletic department at UNC. He's been in sports ever since. And we worked uh, actually pretty closely together for a while when I was with USA Baseball and he was with the Tampa Bay Rays. We'd see each other at events uh, and stay in touch that way. Um, he's now obviously with IMG College, and he's in the Winston-Salem office, which is his hometown. So uh, he talks about how his career, uh, both personally and professionally, uh, has ended up uh, where he is now, and he's leading a successful career there, and obviously he's very happy personally being in his hometown. And I had never met Will Baggett before we spoke. Uh, you know, I saw he was very active on social media. Uh, he's heavily involved with front office sports. If you're into sports business uh, and you're not following them, you should. Be sure to check them out. Uh, and he's also got a book out right now called The Blueprint, uh, which is really geared toward early career development for entry-level uh, you know, recent graduates, people getting into the sports industry that have a lot of questions. Uh, he just graduated from Baylor's uh, sports management graduate program, uh, and he's a coordinator uh, for IMG's office, IMG College's office down in Atlanta. If I had my act together even remotely as well as he does right out of school, uh, I would have been dangerous. It was a really, a really good conversation. He's a really impressive guy. Uh, when I created this podcast, I, I wanted to focus on the careers of senior level executives, uh, but I also wanted to hit on rising stars as well. And I touched on this a little bit. You know, both of them fall into that latter category. Uh, but they are at different points in their career as well. So I think uh, no matter where you are in your career, if you're listening, you'll get uh, something out of this. They both provide really unique perspectives. And it's Jason's advice that he gives at the end of his conversation uh, with me. And you'll hear Will go first and then Jason. But his advice is it's about playing the point game. And I won't give you too much more uh, information. I want to tease it a little bit. But I encourage you to stick around to the end of our conversation because that's what really stuck with me. Uh, from all the advice that he passed along. So without further ado, again, you'll hear Will Baggett first and then Jason Wilmoth, but both of them are with IMG College, and I hope you enjoy the show. Will Baggett, welcome to Front Office Exchange. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jake. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be on. You got it. Well, I am happy to have you on. I mean, I look at what you're doing on social media and outside of social media and I'm like wow when I was one year out of college or two years uh, if I had it together like you did I, I think I would be in a different position I mean you look like you're a busy man yeah and sometimes I can make it seem more busy than I am but social media is just such a great tool and in this day and age if you aren't using it you're really cutting yourself short but I owe a great deal of gratitude to front office sports whom I contribute to on a monthly basis and a lot of other people whom I've watched and watch how they attack social media and how they execute their different plans and strategies. So it's definitely just being observant and just taking advantage of the opportunities that have been presented to me. Well, you, uh, you, you touched on front office sports, and I want to get there, other than the fact that we share very similar names, which is funny. Um, but uh, why don't you go back for me, how you got into your role there with IMG, you know, when you got that sports bug. You know, I think just a, a little bit more background on you. You know, when I started this podcast, I wanted to focus on, you know, senior level executives, but also rising stars in the industry. And I think, you know, what you're doing and what you've done so far, even in, and correct me if I'm wrong, one year, two years out of school uh, is really impressive and you seem like you're on the right track so if you could go back for me you know when you really started to lock in uh, there before you graduated it looks like you got some internships and then leverage those into your current full-time role yes sir absolutely well first and foremost I really appreciate the acknowledgement and distinction as a rising star because there are so many talented people there in this industry and so many unsung heroes so to be among that class of individuals is, is truly a blessing and very humbling but I really, I got started out at the University of Mississippi where I got my undergrad degree in exercise science. And at that time, I was strength and conditioning. I was working as an Olympic strength and conditioning coach. And oddly enough, I didn't watch my first college football game until maybe 2008, 2009. 
So the sports bug always had it kind of more so for, for basketball, but I started transitioning over to the football side of things. And I moved on from University of Mississippi to Baylor University, where I became the first graduate assistant at the ASCA since 2004. And I was working in the education division, and that was a very serendipitous position that came that came open at a time when I needed a grad assistantship to take care of my tuition. Because t- Baylor's tuition is not a drop in the bucket by, by any stretch of the imagination. And also with that role, I also started working with Baylor Athletic Performance, and that taught me a great deal about what it takes to operate at a championship level at all times and really just going the extra mile. And although I wanted to stay on the business side of sports, the discipline, time management, accountability, all those different things, those intangibles, what I got from the experience, have served me very well in my career. I moved on from Baylor University to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl to get an, I did an internship there to complete my degree requirements, and that was a great opportunity. And you learn a lot about the bowl system, especially kind of being on that periphery and working with so many different teams, and you're not knowing who's going to be in your game until you know three weeks before when the rest of the country finds out. And that was an arguable year of the college football playoffs. So it was very exciting times, and we were really just thrown in the fire. And we had to essentially work with the senior level level executives kind of on the same on the same wavelength because they didn't know what was coming, neither did we. So we really had to be proactive and see around corners and be able to put out those fires to really execute the game at a high level. And finally, moving over to where I am now, my current position with IMG, and I particularly work for the Collegiate Licensing Company, which is a subdivision of IMG. And it was started by Coach Bill Battle back in 1981, and I was able to get this position due to relationships I had at the Peach Bowl. Having done a good job there as an intern, they called over for me, and the rest is history. And we all know how that how that works and the importance of relationships, but really having those people put their, their jerseys on my back, it really served me well to lock in this opportunity. Sure. How was the uh, the graduate experience for you? You know, I know we've talked about that with some past guests, um, just in terms of, you know, what that senior level executive, what, if they recommend that, uh, you know, I went through that program, I got about halfway through before my wife and I moved to North Carolina, but at NYU, and even in the, the two years that I was there, you know, I built a pretty special network. So, uh, you know, was that a plan for you all along? Um, and either way, uh, what value did you gain from that? Sure. The, the graduate experience for me, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And it really helped me get ahead of the curve because professionally there were some things I just did not know and did not understand, and I really required the assistance of a mentor to get to where I needed to be on those fronts. And you get you get that, that, that coursework. That coursework is very important, but also the relationships I built through AFCA, and I, I know I'm very blessed to have had that opportunity because we work with so many different entities and so many different individuals, whether it ranged from the NCAA to NFL to actual institutions. And having an opportunity to be around FBS head coaches and sitting in on meetings, that was an invaluable experience. And I picked up a lot of relationships from there. So if someone is contemplating going through a graduate program, I would look at, look at, look at the options because you could obviously go into the workforce and start gaining that, that requisite experience, and it's very, well, very important. However, if you can get paid for, like I was able to do and so many other people do, then I would highly recommend it because you're getting that pertinent work experience at the same time as an advanced degree. And in this day and age, a master's degree is quickly becoming something like a bachelor's. So you definitely want to increase your knowledge base as best you can and also did a lot of research there. So just learning and that experiential knowledge on multiple fronts and, and, do, and having it in different areas is what helped me. And I also started the Sport Management Association at Baylor to help other students get involved and learn about what was in, what was in sports and what was available to them in that, in that Central Texas area. Right. So you've got that network in your back pocket. Uh, and then the, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And my early career was in internships around events as well. And I always recommend that to, to people coming out of school because when you work an event, not only are you working for that company, but you're also working alongside the different vendors. You've got a million mm-hmm. people that are asking you for favors or for help or something like that. So you get to touch a lot of areas under the sports business umbrella. Um, speak to that experience a little bit. And it sounds like you were able to leverage that uh, one way or another into your current role at IMG. Oh, absolutely. And if, if you've 
ate lunch in the last month or so, I'm sure at some point you ate Chick-fil-A, and you know how they do things. Buddy, I've got three kids under seven. (laughs) I'm a Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's daily. I mean, you talk about once a week. Come on now. I'm there. I'm either in the playground myself trying to pull them out of some of the the tubes and stuff in there, or it's, I mean, it's just like an IV into all of our arms in my family. It's unbelievable. (laughs) I can understand that, and I have some, some friends over at Chick-fil-A that will be very, very pleased to hear that, so I'll be sure to share that with them. Did I, did I just but, get you know, Chick free Chick-fil-A out of this? I, I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay, all right, all right. I won't hold I, you to it, Will. All we'll right. talk offline, and I'll be sure to let you know. All right, I appreciate it. But, yeah, it's, it, it was a great experience working with Chick-fil-A particularly, and obviously there were a lot of other vendors and people that, that served to make the Peach Bowl what it is. But then particularly, everyone knows that they do everything at a first-class level. From when you walk into a Chick-fil-A, no matter if you're in Mississippi or up to the, mid- the, the Midwest or in Northeast, it, there's consistency. And having the benefit of having them here in Atlanta and coming into our offices on a regular basis to explain their strategies and their approaches and how they really just get that first-class service and how it's consistent across the board, that was invaluable. And we took a lot of those principles and we use them in our approach to really improve the fan experience. And working with those people was, was just, just, just great. And I still maintain relationships with them when I go back and volunteer for the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And I always kind of make my way up to the volunteer room and make sure I get a few, free, few sandwiches to kind of, you know, bring back the nostalgia of working for the bowl. So it, it was awesome. And that, that's all it is, right? Just the nostalgia? It's not the uh, the spicy chicken. All right, um, I'm a I'm a huge fan. In case that order does come through. Um, so, uh, all right. So you had a great experience there, um, and now you're at IMG. You touched on that a little bit. Um, how's agency life? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a large firm. Like you said, a lot of acquisitions. You know, they've got offices all over the country. Um, you know, so I'm sure they're you know for someone like you who who may be more open to. Um, you know, relocation, upward mobility, things like that. Um, what opportunities are there for you, and how has your experience been? Yeah, very good. So the agency experience has been been very different. And coming from a football operations background, largely with the AFCA and also the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, this was a new endeavor, and it was something that I found that was interesting. And I wanted kind of I wanted to diversify my experience a little bit to make myself a more marketable candidate for upward mobility, such as you mentioned. But here with a company such as IMG, the good thing about it is it's a huge conglomerate of a lot of different functions and, and opportunities and services they provide. Here with the licensing agency, it's, it's, a really, it's really a niche business, and really getting in and experiencing the learning curve was, was something that was humbling to me because you see this, this completely new revenue stream or this service that serves as a good bottom line factor to a lot of universities, and you, you understand how it begins to work. But largely, work with IMG in general, you have opportunities to become an account executive or general manager. And we're owned by William Morris Endeavor, which is a huge talent agency in California. So you think about those opportunities. So just being in this, in this network internally and doing your job at a high level will open up many, many doors if you obviously you know, build those relationships and, and take care of what's entrusted to you at this time. So I feel extremely, extremely blessed to be in this position now, and I'm looking forward to continuing my tenure here and, and meeting more great people throughout the company. Yeah, so educate me a little bit. I think I, I told you before we started recording that I'm combining this episode um, with my interview with Jason Wilmoth, who is, I know, with IMG College as well. I know you're on the licensing side. So he's in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. You're in the Atlanta area. How do your offices work together, or, or maybe they, they don't? Just to give people listening maybe a peek inside what's it like for a large agency and how the, the different offices communicate. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, WME, William Morris Endeavor, is based in California. They're, they're the head honchos. And then we have IMG Global, which is based in New York. And then we have IMG College, which is in Winston-Salem. And then we have this branch of CLC here in Atlanta. So obviously we're under the, we fall under the IMG College College Division, and that's to, in, in my purview. That's largely where where it, it kind of begins and ends us being under the, under this umbrella. But we do have those resources at, at our disposal to work with a lot of different brands. And the good thing about it is that you have kind of the, the you have the MMR side, the multimedia rights side. And we're sometimes able to leverage those multimedia rights and those partnerships to say, hey, let us represent you on the licensing side as well. 
So it's, it's the same as a la carte as it, as, it, as it could be with some other agencies. So that's a really good thing to, to help leverage. So when those guys at IMG College in Winston-Salem, and even in our offices here because we have some representatives here, when they're doing a great job on the MMR side and they're renewing partners, that makes it a lot easier for us to come in on the licensing side and say, hey, let us, let's, let us also pick up this business as well. And then you have consistency across the board instead of dealing it out to to a number of different agencies and having to work with so many different people. So that consistency and that internal support and largely internal competition, it serves to all make us better. Sure. All right. So that's your nine to five or, or your eight to seven, or I'm sure your hours are, are crazier than <laughs> nine to five. But all right, now let's talk about the side hustles. Now, most people may have one. I mean, you've got a couple going on here. So uh, let's start first with front office sports, which great name. I love the name. No, no, it's funny. I, st- I started the podcast, uh, and then as I kept doing my homework, I said, wow, these guys really have a good thing going on. Similar name. Uh, I guess that can't hurt me as I try to get this off the ground. But, um, you know, love what you do over there. So one uh, quick um, kind of high point notes on what Front Office Sports is and what your role is there. Absolutely. So Front Office Sports, it began with some students at the University of Miami. And they had a vision for helping young young professionals in, in the sports industry. And it has grown into a much larger pl- platform now. We've increased our verticals, and we've got some spot sponsors in now, and we're, we've turned into more of a kind of digital, more kind of all-encompassing publishing platform for young professionals and even tenured, tenured professionals in this business. So we've been, been fortunate to see our, our, our reach grow over time. But my role is... I'm an entry-level development contributor. I'm all about the young professionals and really getting them up to speed because I have a lot of assistance, a lot of help getting started in my career, so I want to make sure to pass along that information. So I contribute on a monthly basis, and I did a Snapchat takeover for the Chick-fil-A kickoff game and got a great great response from that. And that was my first time ever using Snapchat, but people said they couldn't tell, so I was very, very pleased to hear that. But that's kind of my high-level involved in that we're a team of about 20 and we just have outstanding people across the country and the, the, the funny thing about it is none of us have really never, ever met in person with aside from maybe in, two or three of us in IRL IRL <laughs> in real life yes right yeah, right. yeah in yeah. real life in real life you always right. it, it's amazing you know I, I did a uh, I did another podcast when I lived in Raleigh that was not sports related but I remember we brought on a guest who was invited by my co-host and the guest walked in and they shook hands he's like oh it's great to meet you great to find I'm like what so it just goes to show that uh, again, social media can help you build mm-hmm. uh, relationships, you know, almost just as well as as face to face. So yeah, and then that was one of my questions. You know, it looks like uh, for the most part, most of the contributors like yourself are in this kind of remote field based role that they do on the side. Are there full time employees for front office boards? Not, not at this not at this point, but that's the goal ultimately. Sure, to bring everybody on full time, and we're led by. An outstanding leader, CEO Adam White, who I believe is about—I think he may be a senior now in Miami. So that's that's been a learning experience, and you often see across college athletics, where you know coaching staffs or in administration, we have a lot of people who are working for people younger than them. But what I've come to find—this is my first time doing it—is when you have somebody who's competent, who's invested in the people that 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 they employ or that that they brought on to help push the vision then you forget about things like that and you just say hey this is just a great great leader and all the other stuff just goes out the window so that's been my experience and i couldn't be thankful to be working with or for any better people yeah and just so people can you know i'm sure people will, will go check it out is it frontofficesports.com no it's actually frontofficesports.org frontofficesports.org, okay, and then, and I've looked online, so it's a lot of, you know, much like what we do here, but career profiles, um, you know, takeovers, like you said, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always impressed with, uh, you know, you said you've never used it before, but if you pulled it off, I, you know, Snapchat, I say if you're over 30 years old and you know what you're doing on Snapchat, you're lying. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm impressed by that. I, I'm, I'm more of an Instagram stories guy since I'm already on that platform. But um, yeah, anything else? Um, you know, other resources that the site has? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have obviously the piece where we interview professionals, but we also have contributors who focus on the social media aspect, and they have the social media seven, which is one of my favorite parts of the of the of the content that goes up and. And that's when they just profile who's doing the best around social media. And it's always interesting interesting to see different messaging that comes across. 
And over time, we have some more plans in place that we're going to extend, and there's going to be a kind of a slow, gradual release, but I'll let that kind of roll out on its own, and I'll just kind of keep that, keep that in the bag for now. But we're definitely looking to expand and grow. Good. All right, so that's front office sports. Now, what is the blueprint? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the blueprint for a successful career, and it's, the subtitle is a foundation for entry-level development, and it's consistent with everything else. And I started writing this back in 2014, actually, but I actually quit for a while, and I wasn't really just as vested in the project as I thought I would when I first started out. But what happened is I had a special English teacher in, in high school, and I told her I was going to work on a book, and she was really the first one who really got me trained in the in the art in the in the art form of writing. And I wanted to do something to to one kind of speak to my newfound passion for development for young professionals, and also just showcase my writing style because it's different, it's a little bit more poetic, and and a little more abstract in nature. But I like to kind of paint that mosaic to really help people get up to speed. What I've what I've what I saw prior to writing the blueprint was a lot of material that just said, hey, just go hard work and you'll work hard and network and you'll be fine. Yeah, go find a mentor. Think, just go get one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's enough. That's, that's not enough. That wasn't right. enough for me because that wasn't the type of half-hearted mentorship and leadership and guidance that I was given as a grad assistant and as an intern. I had people that were really invested. And to this day, I have a mentor, Todd Brown at AFCA, whom I talk to every single day almost. And we're collaborating on different things. He's also my co-author of The Blueprint. But... I really wanted to do something to honor her, and she actually passed away in 2014, and I stopped writing the blueprint altogether, you know, before before then, but when she passed away, I said, you know what, I'll never let this happen again. I'll never let anything go down or let anybody down with a promise I made them, and in March 2015, I picked my keyboard back up, so to speak, and I reached out to Ty. I said, Ty, I said, we need to finish this book, and my, and my English teacher, this this was important to her, and I need to finish it in her honor. And I need your help. And here we are today. So wow. that's really where it came from. It was a it was a true dedication to her, but also a dedication to the to the people, my cohort and the people that I hope to that will hope get I hope get value from it. Wow, that's that's incredible. So how are you pushing the book? I mean, I, I, I you've obviously indicated who it's marketed toward, um, but uh, is this available on Amazon? I mean, do do you use the the front office sports platform to help push it as well? Oh, absolutely. And the interesting thing about it, I guess I can give a little bit more on the structure of it, is it's a it's a two-part approach. So I write from my perspective as a young professional, and Ty, my co-author, writes from his perspective as as a leader, as an organizational kind of expert, and how he got me trained to where I am. And there were some mistakes I made early on in my career that I even outlined in the blueprint. Because like I what? To make sure like what? What were some of those? Oh. Okay, well, I'll tell you this one, and, it's, and I'm almost embarrassed to tell it, but it's, it's all about that process. So sure. The AFCA experience that changed the trajectory of my career almost never happened. Reason being is because I obviously got the nod for the position, but that wasn't all. It wasn't all all the butterflies and, and flowers. How that turned out. What really happened is I had an interview with the AFCA. It was kind of impromptu. They were thinking about opening up the assistantship. They weren't really sure about it. So I threw my name in the hat, had a great interview, and maybe about three weeks to a month go by, and I'm not hearing anything back. So I reached out to the program director, <clears throat> excuse me, at Baylor Sport Management, and I said, hey, haven't heard anything from AFCA. Any advice or any any perspective, insight you can give on that? We well, said, well, did you did you follow up? I said, follow what? I said, did you follow up with like a handwritten note or anything like that? I said, uh, not exactly, but I'll get on that. And that just speaks to me not knowing. And if you don't know, you don't know. And I can't really stress that enough. But what I did beyond that is I literally scorched scorched a piece of paper trying to get a handwritten note out to Ty, and hopefully he would accept it and not just, you know, pretty much blacklist me altogether. Thankfully, he accepted it. But what I came to find is even though I got the nod for the AFCA graduate assistantship, it was too little too late. What really got me in the door was the fact that I had a mentor at Ole Miss, and Ty, in the summer that I was up for consideration for that assistantship, he went to a conference, and he saw a gentleman who had a lapel pin representing the Ole Miss logo on his sport coat. And he went up to him just randomly and said, hey, I got this guy. He said he, he just graduated from Ole Miss. He's looking to come into our organization. I don't know a whole lot about him. Do you have any insight? And he happened to approach my mentor, and he gave me a glowing recommendation, and that's what I found out got me my job. And 
I said, you know what, I'll never make that mistake again in terms of not taking care of the of my business on the follow-up front. But also it was good that I had fostered that relationship with my mentor so he could plug me and that would overshadow the faux pas I, I had I had really I had really messed up with. No, I'll, you just thoroughly embarrassed yourself on the podcast. Well, no, I'm kidding. I mean, no, that's yeah, a great. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I no. Hey, no, I love it. I mean, hey, the first uh, my first real job with USA Baseball, and I wish this was a joke, but hey, I, like like you said, I got the job. Um, I misspelled my name on the resume. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. That's so I mean, you want to talk about basic? <laughs> So what happened was it was uh, basically the it's my fault, obviously, but it was just the the byproduct of last minute poor planning. I pull up my resume on the computer and I was going to my USA Baseball interview. So I was typing USABaseball.com on the, the browser. And as both windows were popping up, the ALL in baseball, as I'm typing the URL, got onto my resume. So my resume... Because mm-hmm. the cursor starts with the name, right? So the resume mm-hmm. read lowercase a l l capital J a k e for my first name. So I, I pass my resume across the table to Paul Seiler, the, the CEO of USA Baseball, and he says, "So is the a l l silent in your name?" <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, well, could you imagine? Yeah. And at that point, I'm thinking, "Hey, the, no chance I get the job." And I said, "Well, this cannot possibly go any worse." So I, I pretty relaxed and he laughed and then I remember David Perkins who was also one of the guests on there stuck his head in he said hey are we ready to go to lunch and I said and Paul said I don't I don't think Jake's very hungry he misspelled his name on his resume I I mean it was truly a disaster of epic proportions but to this day you know my nickname with those guys is all Jake they call me all Jake. Jake. Yeah, there you go. Yes, I'm saying you spend. It's all about Jake, right? It, well, that's what I said. That's how <laughs> I spent it. But at the time, it was definitely not all about me. So, um, okay. So clearly, you're busy with IMG. You're busy with front office sports. You've got the book. Um, you know, you are so far ahead of I know where I was, and I think that you're in a, a position in your career where a lot of people who are just coming out of school can look at you um, as uh, you know someone to aspire to earlier in their career that, that's got it figured out. And I think it's admirable what you're doing for those young professionals who you know have a lot of questions. You know, how do I get myself out there? Um, how do I, you know, leverage internships and turn them into full-time jobs and things like that? So, you know, I applaud what you're doing. I applaud you and your colleagues there at Front Office Sports. It's a great site, great social media channels that I encourage people to check out. And, you know, as we wrap this up, you know, I wonder if there's anything you, you'd want to share, any advice, um, any um, authors or social media channels. You know, you talk about who's doing it best in social media earlier. Um you know, any recommendations, things for uh, the listeners to check out? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the great I want to make the shameless plug to definitely check out my, my book, The Blueprint for a Successful Career. And you can obviously get that on Amazon and if you just type it in as is. And we also have a website that I'll, that I'll be willing to share as well. But it all comes down to just being a good person and treating people treating people right. When I was coaching with Baylor Athletic Performance, it was instilled and it was really – etched into my, into my brain and psyche to become the number one in the nation at something. And no matter what you're doing, you want to approach that current opportunity with the most with unparalleled vigor, and you want to set the bar out of reach. And that's what I'm seeking to do at the same time. I want to, to help other people. That's what it's all about. And I just want to just kind of tell people to, you know, keep the faith and, you know, understand that it's all, it, is a, it is a process. But if you got into this for the right reasons, then it will go by very smoothly and just continue to work at a high level. And I'm always open to help. I'm not hard to find on any social media channels. And so just, yeah, continue doing a great job and let's, let's, let's really just uplift this, organ- this, this, this industry. And it's, just, it's important to a lot of people. It brings so many people from so many different backgrounds together in one setting for one purpose. And that's something that you can't really speak to in any other entity or organization. So that's why sports is so special. And we have a duty to make sure it's, it's done the right way for the fans as well as for the professionals who want to carry on the torch. Will, you're making, I, I want to like get up and run through a wall right now. I'm, I'm digging this. I'm digging. I, I like it. I like it. I'm sure the people that work around you love it too. It's infectious. Um, so where can people find you on social media? It sounds like Snapchat was uh, maybe a one and done or did that, uh, did that give you the confidence to get on there more, more regularly? 
I, I I am on Snapchat, but I'm only on there to follow other people when they have interesting things going on. Sure. I do not have anything uploaded, but maybe in the future, maybe in the future, I, I see the value in it. But when I do another takeover, I'll get back on. But until then, you cannot find me on Snapchat, but you can find me on Twitter at w underscore b a g g s, and that's just w underscore bags. And I'm also on LinkedIn at Will Baggett, and also you can find me on on Facebook at Will Baggett. So I can any channels that you want to connect with me on, I'm happy to to speak with anyone who's willing to reach out. And what's that blueprint address you mentioned? The web address? Absolutely, it's the blueprint dot career. It's t h e blueprint dot career, and it's just a link straight to Amazon. It has a little bit of information about the book itself, and I'm happy to speak with anyone if they have any particular questions about the scope and the focus of it. And uh, we had uh, we had Bill Curry. He was fortunate. He was actually gracious enough to do our foreword. And Grant Taff, the former executive director at the American Football Coaches Association, he wrote our afterwards. So definitely some some firepower from some selfless individuals who really helped us out with this with this effort. Well, there you have it. All right, pick it up. The Blueprint dot Career. Will, thank you so much for joining us. You know, again, I, I thank you for all the the different ways that you're helping both young professionals and and you know people like me who have been in the industry for more than ten years. So, congrats, keep up the good work, and hopefully our paths cross again soon. Well, Jay, thanks so much. My first ever podcast, outstanding experience. Keep up the great work, and I love what you're doing at Front Office Exchange. Thank you. Thanks, man, and keep crushing it, and bring me that Chick Fil A whenever you get a chance. Thanks. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right, Jason Wilmoth, welcome to the Front Office Exchange Podcast. How you doing, buddy? I'm I'm well. Thanks for thanks for having me. Glad to join it. Sure. So, have you fixed your LinkedIn picture since you and I spoke last? <laughs> no. See, I, I I heard that that's kind of the new thing is like to do the half face thing. I, I yeah. was going for something artistic there, and I, I felt good about it. Right. It looks like you truly are on like the edge of the earth between the water behind you and an eighth of your face being cut off. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. The, the real story is that my beautiful wife is there on my other side of my shoulder, and I just didn't think it was appropriate to throw her in the, the It just too, completely so. erased her. Great. All right, that didn't take yeah. long. Colleen is under the bus immediately. <laughs> uh, no, well, hey, seriously, I appreciate you coming on. Um, obviously, you and I go way back, uh, as I explained to our listeners on the front end, but why don't you start by telling us what your current role is now there at IMG, what your responsibilities are, and then we'll kind of walk backwards from there. Yeah, sure. So I am Director of Partnership Marketing with IMG College. I'm based in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I uh, Really, responsibilities-wise, I'm I'm in charge of a group of accounts, uh, a group of our partnerships, um, 12, 13, I believe, that uh, activate across uh, a wide number of our school properties, right? So the UPSs of the world, Miller Coors, Geico, um, work with each of those partners to basically make sure, and, and with my team, to make sure that uh, we're, we're executing, delivering on their partnerships and trying to find some, uh, some upsell and renewal opportunities. So. And how long have you been in that role? I just passed my five-year mark. Wow. Yeah. Is it good to be home for those, obviously, I'm assuming most people that are listening don't know, you are from the area. Um, and again, we'll talk about how you ended up back there, but what's it been like, uh, I guess, personally and professionally uh, to be back in an area in a, in a role where you're thriving? It's it's great, um, and yeah, clearly clearly thriving. Um, it, uh, <laughs> it no, it's awesome personally. I mean, we having grown up here. My, my wife and I are actually from here, but um, yeah, getting back into a into a role and with a company that um, that that's that's been really rewarding has been has been fantastic. And then just again personally being able to have family and friends here. I got a lot of deep roots here. I I remember I think my first week back. Um, I was uh, I was having lunch with with some coworkers of mine, and I look out, and I think I saw one of my uncles walk by. Ten minutes later, one of my you know childhood teachers. It was it was it was funny. So you're the mayor. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So, no, so I you know when you hear about these big agencies, you, you think of the big cities. New York obviously comes to mind. I know you guys have an office in Atlanta and other cities as well. Uh, why Winston Salem for that office? And do you think that you get 
more or less interest um, from you know people looking for jobs again, whether they're right out of school or at a turning point in their career, because of um, you know the quality of life there, the you know, very low cost of living comparatively. Yeah, no, really, really good question. I guess the first one, I, the why Winston Salem, it the, the company was started back in um, it was '92 under under the name ISP Sports when Ben Sutton. Started it coming out of Wake Forest. Um, that Wake was our first client, but Ben being here in Winston, Wake being here in Winston, it, it just made sense. And so um, over the years, when we were acquired by IMG and then and then by WME a few years ago, um, there was just so much infrastructure here. Whether it was the the audio setup that we have and all the studios where we broadcast you know various football, basketball, baseball games throughout the year, but then also our staff. I mean, we have we have probably. 150, 200 or so staff here in Winston. Um, yeah, and so it's uh, and and we've the part of the town that we're in too. We're kind of an anchor in a, a revitalized area, which is really, really cool. So long story short, a lot of lot of roots there. Um, but second part of your question, yeah, I mean Winston, it's a little it's a little different, right? Like you don't typically hear good size agencies like ours based in cities this relatively yeah, small. Yeah, no air, no airport. Uh, you know, I, obviously it's close to Greensboro and Charlotte, but really unique spot. Yeah, totally. And it's the cool thing though is that we're we're tethered to, you know, we like you mentioned, we've got an office in Atlanta, a sizable office down there. We've got a main office up in New York that our group that I'm that I'm a part of is is um, is tied closely to. So a lot of our our coworkers are up there. But then you know, with all of the different school properties that we have, we're we're spread out across the country. You know, in in markets like Lincoln and Pullman and and others. So we're we're really not just even though the the base of IMG College is here in Winston Salem, it's again we're, we we have coverage across the country, which is great. Yeah, I'm not going to dare ask you what a an average day is like for you. You know that that question is impossible. But let's talk about average month. Um, how much are you traveling? How much are you at events? Um, do you spend most of the time on the phone with these clients with the universities? Uh, what does a, a typical month look like? Yeah, it, it it really depends on the time of year. I mean, right now, you know, probably we, for us. You, know, you get into you get into starting July, really up through February, March, through you know when the basketball season's wrapping up. That that's kind of our busiest time of year, definitely in the fall around football. But um, a, a typical month, it it uh, it varies. I mean, we we travel. You know, there's a need depending on on which partners we work with. Um, you know, there's a need potentially to be at various games where sponsors are are activating, where they have some type of big display or you know, hospitality event for their customers, or sometimes, you know, the key decision maker is going to be out and we want to have a little, you know, FaceTime and um, some interaction there. So that's kind of one bucket of where there's a need for us to travel. Um, and then on the other side, you know, we pretty regularly go and meet in person with our clients in, in their offices. So, you know, whether that's strategic planning or recaps or, um, you know, just checking in if we happen to be in town with someone else, um, you know, there, there's a little bit of that. So I'd, I'd say over the course of the fall, um, you know, any given year, I'm I'm probably making, you know, three or four trips to to games, and uh, probably about the same to to clients' offices for meetings. So, interesting. So now let's walk it all the way back. Obviously, you got your start in sports business, sports media, broadcasting, all that. Um, at Carolina, uh, you and I worked with the the play by play and and color commentary group there, Mick and Woody at UNC. And then from there, you've consistently stayed in sports, but the road has been winding. And um, a lot of that also has to do with, you mentioned Colleen earlier, and and in all seriousness, she also leads a very successful career. So um, I guess if you could go back to, you're coming out of Carolina and just weave in where appropriate, obviously, with how you've moved, keeping in mind Colleen's career as well, because I think that's an interesting piece to how you've just, in a lot of instances made it work yeah yeah sure so i guess on, on the heels of that internship we had um you know with with the radio network there at, at carolina i i had a, an internship it kind of all started there with an internship the summer after my junior year at unc with uh with the orlando magic I, I still have no idea why they selected me um but i did some phone interviews applied online did some phone interviews and sight unseen they hired me as a as an intern for the summer in ticket sales and service. Um, at the time, I wasn't even really sure I wanted to get into sales or really know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I jumped on it. It was a, an incredible experience. Um, crazy story. I actually 
uh, lived in the house of my boss, um, sleeping on a mattress in his uh, study off his living room. So um, that was interesting. Um, but coming out of that, uh, I, I it was cool because I got some experiences doing stuff. I and mean, I wasn't out there even selling tickets. I was doing a lot of prospecting and some research projects and things like that. But come senior year of college, I applied for the NBA's um, associate program, which is like a kind of an entry-level full-time gig that they have um, up in New York at the league office. Um, and I was able to parlay that experience that I'd had with the Magic um, into a lot of the interviews that I had and somehow, again, fortunately got uh, the opportunity to go up to New York for final interview. And just the, the sheer fact that I was able to reference a few of the the names of the executives I'd worked with at the Magic and some of the stuff I did, um, I think honestly just it was right time, right place. The, the group that I ended up getting a job with at the NBA was, was called the um, – it's affectionately known as, as Teambo, Team Marketing and Business Operations. Um, they, uh, it, it, the type of stuff I'd worked on was was what they did, and uh, so yes, geez, second semester of senior year, I got got the job offer from the NBA. Started summer after graduation, um, and was there two years. And it, it incredible experience. It was one where. Um, you know, really, our, our role in a nutshell was where we were the front line for the the all the NBA teams and the WNBA teams for really helping them sell sponsorships and sell tickets. And um, my role was one in which I got to review and and um, weigh in on promotions that involved all the teams' logos because the league owned those marks. So there was a system in place where all the teams had to submit all that to the league, and I was on the other end of that. I'd get to I'd be the first one reviewing it, um, you know, talking with IP lawyers and you know folks about you know the use of marks and how the territories that the teams had to work within you know were you know were being defined. And long story short, it was a it was a really cool way to see what the teams were doing from a sponsorship angle that worked and, and what didn't work. Yeah, let me just um, jump in because I think people yeah. know, listening, people know Teambo. So let me play devil's advocate and I could be completely off base. But, you know, as you guys being subject matter experts in the space, you know, how would you know what would work for them in their respective markets? Did you have to do market-specific research or was this almost like a plug and play, like, hey, this works across the board and we suggest you use it in Phoenix and then you go use it in Boston? Yeah, it was, it was more of the latter. It was, I mean, we were we were kind of a, for lack of a better term, right, best practice aggregators, right? So if we, you know, if, if we saw that the Utah Jazz, and I distinctly remember this, Utah Jazz did a really cool promotion with, remember, uh, was it AK-47, Andre Kirilenko? Yeah. Um, you know, he they did a promotion with him where they, they, you know, put his image and everything on a on a I think it was a lunchbox that they gave away at Jiffy Loop, and it ended up moving the needle, right? Like sold, you know, got more people coming in to get oil changes. So what we were able to do is take that type of example and say, hey, Miami Heat, we know you guys are talking in the auto aftermarket or you know oil change. Yeah. If a lunchbox featuring a Russian basketball player can sell in a Salt Lake gas station, this is going to work. Right. Something tells me Miami might be able to pull it off. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, so that that's the type of stuff that we did, and we, you know, whether it was through, you know, I think it was weekly newsletters where we would, co you know, collect all those best practices, and and not just like, hey, this is a really cool promotion that so and so did, but we'd we would work with the the teams to get results and say, hey, what were the, you know, number of services sold or the you know the number of of items moved, the traffic increases, um, so hard tangible numbers like that were able to make it helpful for other teams to say, hey prospect X, you know, this has worked elsewhere. Give it a shot. We can, we can do it here too. So, and just because I know a little bit about the, the personal, knowing both you and Colleen. So here you are in New York, um, you're doing extremely well. You know, I know I went up and visited you, uh, once or twice. Um, then you're faced with a decision, correct? That was when yeah. you, you had to, to look at Florida because Colleen was looking at Florida as well. Yeah, so when when we we both came out at the same time, Carolina, I was I was in New York. She was actually in DC working or interning at the Washington Post. And so 
you know, we we did the distance thing for a while. You know, we'd catch buses and whatnot up up and down. Uh, was it 95 there? But she ended up landing a gig about a year out of school, um, back down with at the time the St. Petersburg Times, um, the newspaper down in in Florida, um, Tampa St. Pete. So we did that distance thing for a while, and we got to the point where. You know, at the time we'd been dating a long time, and we uh, we said, "All right, you know, let's go ahead and uh, you know put put a put a ring on it and force you know force our hands, see who's gonna who's gonna go where." And so for about a year um, during the engagement, we you know she looked at grad school opportunities up in the you know New York metro area. She looked at you know paper jobs, editor jobs, all that stuff. While I was also looking down in the uh, in the St. Pete area and. Um, I, I like to say she ended up winning out. Um, I uh, I hadn't found anything. She couldn't find anything up there. And um, we basically got to the point where the wedding day was approaching, and uh, I didn't have anything and said, you know what, NBA, this has been a great ride, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little leap of faith here and go not only get married but uh, move down to Florida and uh, try and find me a job. So. Wow. Okay. Was, so, you know, just to skip ahead a little bit, you ended up with the raise and you'll talk about that, yeah. but you didn't have that job before you moved? No. So that was, um, huh. a bit of a, bit of a challenge and kind of out of my, out of my norm. But, um, I, the, the, the thing that I had done though, when I was up in New York was I'd, I'd worked some connections, right? Like Teambo, as, as a lot of folks know, is, is extremely well connected, not just in basketball, but, but elsewhere. And so I, I talked with a number of folks. Um, I remember, um, Ludopoly, Bill Sutton, um, a few other guys whose names may ring a bell in the in the sports marketing industry, but they they helped get me connected um, to and Scott O'Neill too, being another one at the Sixers, but got me connected to some folks just to to do some basic networking, and I was able to work off of that um, a, a couple trips down to Florida um, when I was when I was visiting Colleen, and I just set up some informal informational meetings with folks at the Lightning, um, the Devil Rays at the time, even I want to say another agency or two, and ultimately that having having kind of planted that seed then ended up, by the time I moved down to Florida and after I'd gotten married, ended up working out for me. That's when I got a call from the Devil Rays um, with, a, uh, with some interest. So Wow. Okay, so you're with the Devil Rays through the transition to the Rays, or no, did that happen after you moved? Yeah, no, I, I was there. So I joined at the end of '04, um, and then I was there until August of '11. So I got to, I, I came in at a time when the Rays were pushing 100 losses a year, um, and then, geez, it was yeah, end of. I know you talked to Brian Killingsworth too, but at the end of '07 was when we did our whole name change, ownership change, um, and then the, the magical season of '08 when we. We weren't even supposed to make the playoffs that year, let alone ride it all the way out to the World Series. So right. that was that was a heck of a ride. And what was your role there? Was it in sponsorship? Yeah, sponsorship. So I when I started out, I was basically a super easy, right? Uh, sales. That was yeah, that, that was yeah, the whole totally. thing. The Rays were like they led in sales constantly and huge support from the community, right? That was you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and and those problems uh, those problems are, are, are gone in, in the past now too. Yeah, so, no kidding. Yeah. Um, but especially from the attendance side. But no, the um, what what I started out doing was yeah, it was basically a sponsorship activation coordinator, and eventually took on some radio broadcast operations responsibilities too, and then worked my way up to where I was ultimately overseeing the sponsorship uh, activation team, where we were you know making sure partners, kind of like what I'm doing now, making sure partners were getting what they paid for, but then kind of priming them and, and looking for opportunities to grow them. Now, just to educate listeners, does that include a sales component or are you kind of lockstep with the sales team? Uh, yes and yes. Um, it, it, we're definitely in lockstep. We had to be. Um, and But it, it's more so, no, there's not a set number over, there wasn't over our head in terms of what we needed to generate from a dollar's perspective, but um, we certainly were expected to be the ones that you know, managing those accounts on a day-to-day basis, we were the ones who knew the clients best and could identify new opportunities and could, in some cases, yeah, be the, you know, the loan seller. But yeah, I mean, it 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 was only beneficial to make sure that we were working with the, the seller uh, just to 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 get the most out of it. 
right? Um, and I touched on this a little bit with Brian, um, so I, we don't want to harp on it, but you know, did your experience with the Rays equip you so much better than maybe working in that same role with other teams as you've moved on to IMG as it relates to the, the kind of joke I made earlier about, you know, just the challenges that you face there in the community trying to, to sell that team in an area where, you know, you're in St. Pete, you're also trying to market to Tampa, but with the traffic, it's difficult. I mean, it's well documented, but do you think that that prepared you well for your current role? Yeah, and, and no, really good question. I think it did. It, it's funny at the time you don't you don't really appreciate that, but you know we we had a lot of loyal partners down there, right? We had folks who had you know the Tropicana's and the Pepsi's of the of the world, and, and you know had signed up from day one when the team started, and and yeah, I mean they saw some some rough times, but at the same time they they also saw value in, it. and one of our responsibilities was to to help make sure they understood that they could still reach and get in front of eyeballs, right? And that they could still get loyal fans in the market to come out to their retail locations and, and purchase their products and services. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think when, when that big windfall hit in, in the season of what, end of 07 and really 08, um, you know, those, those partners and even some of the new ones who were able to jump on, on the bandwagon, you know, it, it was, it was great to have, have been a part of, of kind of ushering through them, uh, ushering them through the tough times, but then also it's like, hey guys, now you're going to get rewarded for having stuck through this, and right. you know, fans right recognize that there's equity in having seen you for a while, and now it's like, oh man, I want to. You know, these guys are cool to be associated with. Yeah, so you've had quite the range of experience. You've got the New York experience, NBA team level, both baseball and basketball. Just curious, big picture, do you cross paths? With any of those former colleagues or people that you worked with now uh, at IMG, just wondering how small the sports world is. It's it's ridiculously small. It's you know, everybody says that's all oh, who you know. It's you know you, you need to make sure you network and you, know, you don't want to burn a bridge. But it's I, I I've lost track of where all um, you know I've got so many of those connections. Right. I mean whether it's you know folks still in that market at other teams. Certainly still a lot of contacts there at the at the Rays, but, um, I've got a number of the, my buddies that I had down there, my coworkers that I had who are in, in prominent, you know, executive positions right across major league baseball, NBA. Um, it's funny. I, the, the, the guy that, that hired me, the guy that called me when I just moved down there without a job, the guy that called me after I had six months prior had an informational interview with him. Um, Guy ended up hiring me, and now he's a, a colleague of mine here at IMG. Works wow. out of the Midwest, overseeing sales of uh, you know a number of school properties. So kind of definitely small world. Right. Uh, it's all sort of worked out. You know, you're back home. You're in a great gig. Um, would you have done anything differently? You know, do you wish you would have stayed in New York a little longer, or even had gone at all? Just curious if there were any points as you look back and said, you know what, I wish I would have handled this differently, made a different decision. No, I really, I, I don't. I, I, I'm not. I like to think I'm one that doesn't really have regrets. I mean, maybe other than you know, not trying out for the PGA and trying to get my card. Um, oh, come on now. But yeah, <laughs> I. Um, no, I mean, I, 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 I'm kind of a, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason, right? Like, I, I like that. You know, I, I jumped out on a limb a little bit and and spent two years up in New York and. Um, you know, then took a big leap of faith and went and hung out down in Florida to work on my tan for a few years, right? Like it, it to me, it, it, it's all, it's, it's all built up an experience for me that's allowed me to get back to where I'm at, I'm at now. But now I don't, I don't think there were ever any big opportunities that I had that I, uh, I passed up or frankly any decisions that I made where I was, you know, afterward thinking, oh, geez, that just, that sent me the wrong direction. Yeah. And just to go back a little bit to the, the day to day question, can you compare for me, for the listeners, what agency life is like compared to working for a team? Now, obviously, you're not at the ballpark 81 nights out of the year, but I, I got to think that in different ways, potentially work-life balance is better, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. It, it is, um, and, and now... I mean, you know, from like a work-life balance, um, which doesn't exist, by the way. So let's just get it, that does, out it does not. Yeah. That's, that's right. actually one of the funniest things I've ever, I've yeah. ever Paige heard. Paige and I always um, talk about work-life integration, 
You know, so I would there, try there to, go. I would drag her to the ballpark as much as possible. So it was great for me, but I'm sure it was the worst integration ever for her. But anyway, Colleen, to that point, <laughs> side sidebar, Colleen always used to give me a hard time when I'd come home from the, the trop, um, it, which I, I did, I've done the math. I think over the seven years I was there, I went to, you know, attended, worked, however you want to say it, more than 500 games. Goodness. But I would, I would come home from the ballpark and I had this smell, um, on me that just from like, you know, concession stands and, you know, all the different food and beer and whatever else is just, you know, floating around the ballpark, right. which, you know, you know, makes it what it is. But anyway, I, I just thought of that. So is, that's the take home for listeners is that the difference Pretty much in avoid the age, smell. Right. You smell yeah. better. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Focus, focus on that. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it, it, it's different. And, and it's funny, like I, I get that question a lot, you know, what's it like working at a league and a team versus an agency to me, IMG is actually, at least in the, in the role I'm in, is is almost more similar to to working at the league, working at the NBA, where right. um, th- than it is a traditional agency, um, and and it's because you know in, in both spots we're we're kind of in the corporate headquarters where we all of our tentacles, all of our arms out there working with the different whether it's teams, whether it's school properties, um, we're doing it centrally and 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 kind of having to operate remotely and trusting and, and working through our, our boots on the ground, right? Right. Um, whereas at the team, you, you are the boots on the ground. You're the one controlling, you know, how everything works. You, you, there are fewer approvals you've got to get. There's, there's fewer mandates and guidelines from the league. Um, but you're also living and breathing and supporting one, you know, one product um, on, on a day-to-day basis. So um, that to me, that that's the biggest difference. I mean, we at IMG, we certainly still have, you know, what you would consider traditional agency roles, right? Where, you know, there's a little bit of strategy, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, execution metrics, right? Like a, a, a lot of those, those buzzwords still come into it, but um, it, it's certainly more so of a kind of a 30,000 foot view while we, while we work through other resources we have. Yeah. So what is next for you now? Uh, you know, you can be career IMG definitely, but just, I guess, take a step back. doesn't necessarily need to be Jason Wilmoth, but let's just say somebody in a position like yours within IMG. Um, what have you seen over the last five years? Do you see some of your peers and other offices going on to uh, bigger roles with teams, with leagues, with brands? Um, or, you know, is IMG trying to build, just like every company, this is a dumb question, but uh, do you see not a lot of turnover within IMG? No, I think I think there's a fair amount of, of turnover, but to me, it's almost it's almost natural, right? Like to, to sure. me, that's at, at, at times and hopefully a good sign of, of people growing and being able to to take on other opportunities. So, I mean, for for me, like in, in our role as a as a as a service provider, um, you know, for for partners, for me and people like me in, in, in a position like this, I mean, ultimately you know, you have the opportunity to potentially sell at some point. I mean, because we've been able to get really good experience from just knowing inventory, knowing the value of it, knowing knowing how ROI is defined by partners, um, in, in addition to the day-to-day relationship management side of things. I mean, those that's, that's a pretty good portfolio to be able to take a next step into de- developing sponsorships. But then a lot of folks in roles like this want to continue to stay more on the servicing activation side of it and you know I, I i have colleagues of mine that you know when i when i worked in baseball and and counterparts of mine and other teams that ultimately rise up to the ranks of you know vp or or director of client service for a team or for a league um and and that even stretches into traditional ad agencies i i know and have worked with folks that take their sports background and and apply it to that and go after you know a, a, an ad agency where you're working on a, a number of of accounts and you're that you're that strategy person right like you're the one that's in charge of, of managing the account but also taking ideas to the client around how they can best execute their you know their partnership and platform so I, the thing I like about it is that it there's a there's a lot of different opportunities right it's not just a scripted okay here's what you do for two years and then three years and then that's it 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 opens the door and then even here at WME IMG there's a lot more than just college. So I, I like that we're able to touch some of that stuff and get exposed to it and then, you know, potentially consider that for a next step. 
Right. Now let's flip it around. This episode is going to start with Will Baggett, who's down in your Atlanta office. He's someone who's right out of school. Um, what do you look for in your role, Jason, as you're hiring, um, you know, recent graduates or even someone who's maybe, you know, 28 to 32 and is looking to transition to the agency side because, you know, frankly, they've been in baseball and basketball and they're worn out a little bit? I, I, I look for... I want someone that can cover all the basics, right? I mean, in, in any job, right, sports, whatever, in any job, you know, should want folks that can come in and, you know, be organized and, and be able to multitask and be an effective communicator, right? I mean, that's that's kind of just the basics. Um, what, what I tell a lot of folks that I interview is, you know, the, the ideal person that's going to come in and get this job is someone who is going to have all that, who, who's going to do it with a smile, but who's also going to raise the bar um, for other folks that they work with, right? Like I want, I want someone to come in and, and you know just start hitting the ground running and, and throwing out ideas and, and really questioning why things are done the way that they are, so that their peers are are kind of raising their eyebrows, thinking, you know what, I need to step up my game. And and I know that's very that's really big picture. It's not it's not too specific, but if if you hire someone who's going to do that, you're ultimately going to make the rest of the team better. And and again, you're, you're gonna you're gonna be moving everybody in the right direction. So, you know, you, you want all that normal stuff, right? But at the same time, you can go get anybody on the corner and come in and teach them how to how to execute and how to go find the answers. But what you can't teach is, you know, or things like that, the the the, the intangibles, the things that you know are gonna make make people stand out. Right. So when I gave you a little bit of prep for this, as we wrap up here, when I gave you prep. Um, you warned me that you you don't read, you don't do social media, um, you don't do any of that. So I can't ask you any of those questions. I've never had someone vet my questions harder, Jason. Uh, to be completely well, honest, you, if, it depends on how you define reading. I mean, I, 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 I am. <laughs> I think I've memorized "Good Night, Good Night" construction site. Oh my and, gosh! Don't get me one started. Fish, two fish. No, but in all seriousness, so you know, I know not everybody is all over social media and all these places, but you've learned, you've you've gained experience and advice somehow, whether that be mentors or your peers now. Um, along those lines, you know, what do you kind of attribute your kind of continual professional growth outside of IMG to? I think it's it, it's a number of things. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of good mentors along the way. I mean, bosses and, and coworkers of mine that, you know, have 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 given me have empowered me, have given me some rope to run with, have allowed me to make some mistakes, have allowed me to take on some ownership of stuff when maybe I wasn't quite ready, but I feel like that's allowed me to get where I'm at. I think um, one one piece of advice that I got from a, a former boss of mine, um, it, it was kind of cool. I mean, I'm you, you and I are the same way. Like we're competitive by nature, and and this this really, you know, hit hit uh, hit home. But he said in in your professional career, even even outside of that, right? Whenever you're just interacting and communicating with folks, play play the point game. So, in, in other words, try and score points with someone um, when you when you follow up with them proactively, right? So, if you're having a conversation and your boss or a, a peer of yours asks you to do something or um, you know delegates or assigns something to you, you you score a point when you follow back up before they have to check with you, right? You score a point by being proactive and keeping things moving. They score a point when they beat you to it, and they have to ask you what the status is of something, or they have to follow back up with you on something before they've heard from you. And the goal of the game is win, right? Like, don't let them score points. And it sounds kind of silly, but if you think about it, it's 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 really applicable to what what we do in in just business in general, right? Like, you want to be that guy, that girl that's that's proactive and keeping things moving and and not having to have people follow up with you. And if you are, you're going to be more efficient, you're going to be more effective in how you communicate and just ultimately getting things done. So I, that's always something that stuck with me and something I I certainly share with, with folks, uh, you know, on my team. That is really good stuff. Is the person that gave you that advice Malcolm Gladwell? I feel like that's like one of those <laughs> super simple things that all of a sudden he, becomes a book. I mean, that is that's great. 
he he very well may have gotten it from there. He he was the type of guy that was was big into into reading uh, into reading those types of things. So um, I gotta I definitely gotta give him credit for that. Wow, very cool. Okay, so uh, I know you're you're a golfer, um, so this question will work for you. But I'm not going to let you choose any Tar Heels. So that includes Michael Jordan because everybody keeps leaning on him. But say you're going out to golf and you could pick three people to round out a foursome. Um, I'll, I'll add this one, where do you want to play? Just curious if you've got a favorite course and then two, who would those, who would those three people be, whether they're athletes or executives, your peers, people that you've worked with, um, but in the sports world, who would they be? Wow. Um, you, you took one off the, uh, the Carolina. That's yeah, too easy at this point. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, and it wouldn't have been Jordan by the way. Uh, I would say, and I'm, I'm going to take the easy route because as you said, I'm, I'm a big golfer and I love it, especially with the Ryder Cup going on right now. It's it's top of mind. Right. Um, I would definitely say Jack Nicklaus. To me, greatest of all time. I mean, Tiger's Tiger's right there underneath him in his heyday, but I still think Jack's got it. Um, I'd say Bubba Watson. Uh, he and I, uh, I'll just say, have a lot in common. And, um, <laughs> geez. Uh, I'll let you off the hook, Colleen. Yeah, well, obviously. I mean, that, we'll go with that one. Just right, there safe. you go. All right, so you went all golf. You went safe. Um, no, but that's good. Um, and then uh, just in terms of uh, events, I mean, now you see a lot of uh, great college events. You've uh, been involved with the playoff runs with the Rays and NBA. Um, do you have a, a favorite event or, or a couple favorite events or venues or things like that that uh, just have been memorable for you over the years? Yeah, I and, and I didn't answer the other question you asked earlier. Where would I play? It would be Augusta, and and I guess good segue to this question. That I I, I was fortunate enough to go a few years ago um, on a on the Saturday to the Masters, and and by far the most incredible sporting event that I've ever been to. Best best sporting experience ever. Um, and so I would play there if I could, and um, I'd go back. I mean, I I don't. I've been fortunate enough to go to a lot of the big events over the years, um, you know, the big four events. But to, to me, that that's the event that I kind of model everything after. That's the one that's up on the pedestal. I mean, it, it, it lived up to the hype and, and then some. And uh, I'd, I'd go back in a heartbeat and, uh, and, and do it again. Very cool. Now, I know you said that uh, social media isn't your thing, but in all seriousness, online, uh, if people wanted to connect with you or, or catch up with you, what's the best place to find you? LinkedIn. I mean, if if my my image there, my uh, my photo there doesn't edge doesn't of the really earth, Wilmoth. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Then, um, yeah, that that's that's the uh, that that's where all the, the the juicy content is. That's the best way to probably get in touch with me. Yeah, right. Um, unless you want to try and track me down on. Instagram and Facebook, where you're pretty much just going to see images of my kids doing stupid things. Um, that's that's probably the best spot for me. Sounds about right. But well, hey, Jason, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been awesome to kind of watch your career develop over the last decade plus. And again, knowing you personally, you and Colleen, uh, this, the fact that you've both been able to make it work personally and professionally uh, has been a lot of fun to watch. So thank you for joining us today and continued success there at IMG. I appreciate it, man. Back at you. Thanks for listening to the Front Office Exchange, where you hear about the careers of some of the leading executives in sports business. Visit us at frontofficeexchange.com, on Facebook, at Front Office Exchange, and on Twitter, at Front Office EXCH, to access past episodes, show notes, and much, much more. 